Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a world where anything's possible and where an addict has the freedom to discover that he or she no longer has to be tied to their addictions. Why are you here? What are you looking for? There are plenty of things harder than quitting smoking, quitting drinking, or quitting drugs. Are you ready to be reborn? Are you ready to be analyzed? Welcome to another edition of Addicted Analysis with your host, Mr. IMAX. Let's get ready to analyze. Saturday night, basically we're looking to help some of the people out there that are kind of lost. Welcome to another episode of our little hour here on the net, the dark side of the moon I like to call it. I'm your host, Mr. IMAX, or as my friends call me, Joe for short. On this week's show, I thought we'd focus on what so many people claim, uh, how hard it is to quit smoking. Um, My personal experience with this, five years ago I quit um, and this quit that I've had has pretty much been different uh, than any other feeble attempt that I've had in the past. Uh, I'll say it has to do more with the mindset of the quit than anything else. Uh, when you go into it, you got to have the right mindset, otherwise it's just not going to work. Uh, tonight we have a special guest on with us who has made quitting her new addiction. I've seen her bounce between the positive and negative aspects of the quit and also seen her in denial. But tonight we're going to see if we can get to the bottom of her barrel and help her see the light and finally break free from the chains that bind her. Um, I think it's something that hopefully she's willing to do, and hopefully we can get her you know, to see that opportunity. But first, we're going to need some sponsors out there, so I'm going to try and get some. And here's a message from our first one, and let's see what we have to say. of a butt these days. That's why Carnival is proud to offer our new Smokers Cruise. You'll board our luxury liner and be off to, yeah, who cares where you go. The point is, you'll be in international waters where you can smoke 24 hours a day for a full two weeks. <laughs> they let us smoke on the dance floor and all our meals even in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I like all these <laughs> activities. <laughs> smoke a 
dogs and cigar races. <laughs> hey, I met a babe who smokes unfiltered Lucky <laughs> The smokers. Train up now for regular or menthol. Hey, it's not just a vacation. It's the lung burn. It's my friend. Well, on the line with us is Sarah tonight. Sarah, are you there? Yep. Okay, well, basically... Hello? Yes, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Glad that you can make it. And I'm happy to see you here. Ready to quit smoking? I'm ready to keep going, yes. Okay, I understand you've got, what, four days today? Oh, gosh. I think I'm on day six. Six? I think I'm on day six. I don't know. Monday, yeah, I'm on day six today. Day six? Monday, Tuesday. One day at a time, everything's good, right? One minute at a time. That too. Whatever whatever it takes for you to make it, right? Right. Hey, Sarah, let me ask you this. When did you, where did it all begin? Where were you born? I was born in Portland, Oregon, where I live now. All your life you lived there? All my life. Um, minus like seven years, I've been in Portland. We uh, moved to Hermiston when I was like two and a half. So, um, so that's still in Oregon. So I'm an Oregonian. So basically born and raised, right? Born and raised. Do you remember a lot about your childhood? No. No? Nope. No, just not much to remember, I guess, huh? Well, let me ask you this. Well, okay, go ahead. Ahead. <laughs> you were going to say something? Well, um, well I was going to say that um, I have a dad that's bipolar and a disabled mom, so mm-hmm. um, I remember them fighting, but, you know, there's a lot of blocked out, I'm sure. Right. I think that's something that a lot of us addicts do. We block a lot of things out. Well, let me ask you this. What were your first memories of wanting to get lost in your addictions? Um, I It was the day after my 16th birthday, and um, my dad had stuck a gun to his head, and I got through that situation and actually stole his cigarettes. <laughs> and then from then on, I didn't care. Uh, now, who stuck a gun to that? My father. Your father or your brother? My father. I don't have okay. any brothers. <laughs> okay. He um, got through that. But, um, yeah, I just got to where I just didn't care anymore. And then whatever it took, I, I wanted to die too, kind of. So whatever it took. To do it, I was gonna do. I guess it's kind of weird. I would imagine that must have been hard to for Howard for you, right? Um, yeah, it's it's still kind of hard to to think about at times because it. I think uh, definitely was the change of my life. <laughs> From it, yeah, it just I. I kind of like got stuck there but I'm like a completely different person than I might have been had something like that not happen. Right. 
so that was you you'd say that was one of your first memories of it and and from there you wanted to escape so you kind of got lost that way yes i was um i got a job um i had older friends i was drinking i was smoking um running around I went through a couple of things and was pregnant uh, right before I turned 17. Smoking it was great. Very, very traumatic year for me. 16th year. And your first memories of actually smoking were when? Um, I believe it was like middle school. We, nobody inhaled. We all just kind of puffed on them. And we were trying to get, it, me and my sisters were trying to get in with this family of troublemakers. So we just stole my dad's cigarettes, which were accessible, and went around puffing on them up and down the street. It was great. I'm the bad instigator of trouble. <laughs> You're the instigator? I'm the instigator. I mean, I was giving my 10-year-old sister cigarettes. You know, I was 16, and um, I was pretty bad. She's still smoking now? My sister's? Yeah. Um. Yeah, my sister still smokes. And that's the ten year old that you were giving cigarettes, she still smokes. She still smokes. Okay, does she blame you for that? I don't think she does, but my parents do. Or my aunt does, or I'm the black sheep of the family. So um a lot of us are. You know. <laughs> the yeah. one that you know, I nobody Nobody has to be responsible for their actions, and my family, it's my fault because I'm the oldest, and, you know, I showed everybody how to do everything. Bought them alcohol, bought them cigarettes, so, you know, they don't have to to take responsibility. You were a good big sister, right? I was great. I was cool. Well, let me ask you this. Did you enjoy your childhood and your teenage years? Oh, no. Absolutely. No. I spent so much time trying to um, do whatever I could to not remember it. And I was always like, I can't wait till I'm 18 because life will be better and I'll be out of here. And, um, you know, I ran away so many times. No. When I turned 18, I was actually miserable. I had a kid and... um, no, my life wasn't what I thought it would be when I turned 18. Never is, Sarah. Never is. You know, <laughs> I think we're all the same way. I tell my daughter all the time when she was looking forward to turning 18, I said, don't rush it. You're not going to be happy when you get there. And now she thanks yeah, me for telling her that. So you didn't enjoy I don't your... Think Good, sorry. <laughs> what was school like for you? Um, well, it was hard because, um, like I said, my mom was disabled, 
and she um, did a lot of like the PTA and remothering things, so she was always around, and people um, would see it, and I got teased a lot, and um, I was kind of like the nerd type, not complete nerd, but I was really book smart, uh, I was advanced in, in like math, I would be on different levels of reading, kind of independently as well, and so... I had no friends until I got back to Portland. I mean, Hermes was just boring. Um, but when I got back to Portland, I mean, even I didn't really start to have any friends until, gosh, sixth or seventh grade. And of course, those are the ones that start teaching you to do the wrong stuff, wanting you to get involved in the wrong stuff. Um, you know, I still was an honor roll student until I hit high school. And then um, I discovered boys and, and skipped school. And then the thing with my dad and dropped out, had kids, you know. So it just kind of, you know, varied a bit. But I was never really happy. And let me ask you this. When you were, did your parents know you smoked? Now or then? Then. My mom, <laughs> um, my mom caught me twice in one day, actually, um, when I was 16. I was forbidden to smoke, and then she caught me twice. Uh, but my mom, um, because I was raised church, you know, you're not supposed to drink, you're not supposed to smoke, you're not supposed to whole list of things and that was simple there was no discussion about it I I remember my dad smoking from when I was five he smoked in the house they were our role models right so my dad he really didn't care I mean I he knew that I took his cigarette back when I was in middle school and didn't say anything I mean he just to make a, a Whatever. He's like, if I find out who took my cigarettes, I'm going to make him smoke a cigar, I think is what he told me. But he knew I did it. I didn't say anything. Uh, He bought him when I was 16. Didn't care. In fact, you know, when I got pregnant at 16, he had a much better reaction than my mom did, too, (laughs) which is kind of shocking, I think. because I know if my daughter was to get pregnant now, my husband would kill the guy. <laughs> get older, we do things differently. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I like I said, I was forbidden. Even when I was pregnant and smoking with um, the oldest, I, I heard about it. Um, you know, but by that time anyway... My parents really didn't have any control over me anymore. Well, how did you feel about, the, you know, your parents and your family smoking? My mom you never smoked. I actually struggled. I, um, you know, my dad smoked. I, I believe that he smoked because of stress. Um, he was always working jobs. He hated to support us. We never really saw much of him because he worked graveyard. And so on the weekends, he was kind of crabby. Um, He's bipolar, and 
not somebody to piss off because he could lose it like in 30 seconds, you know? And so he'd be grabbing that, he'd be chasing us and smoking a cigarette at the same time. And so the association with him always was stress or, you know, being out of your mind, smoke a cigarette, it's all good. He's not going to kill us if he has a cigarette in his hand, you know? He's not going to hit us if he has a cigarette in his hand, so... I know that my parents um, fought over it because my mom, um, she didn't allow him to smoke in the house until we were five, until or until I was five. Um, and then she, I guess, took one of the plastic ashtrays and hit my sister in the head and drew blood with it. So then she forbid him to smoke in the house. He did that or your mom did? My mom did that. My mom's crazy. Um. When we moved back to Portland, because we were moving in with another family, there was nine of us. Um, my aunt, she had um, asthma and bronchitis all the time, along with pneumonia. And at that point, at nine and ten, I was having, um, I was in the emergency room every two to five weeks with bronchitis every winter. So... So you had health concerns due to the fact that your parents were smoking in the house? Well, I don't know if that's why my asthma happened, but it could be. It could have triggered it. Well, you're I, not the first person I'm talking to that basically has told me that. And through everything I've read, it's pretty much, you know, that, you know, when parents are smoking in the house, you know, that's what happens with kids. You know, they end up, you know, developing things. Not blaming them for no, it, you know. True. That's just, you know, my parents did it. You know, my you know, every my friends' parents did it. Everybody did it. It's just a shame. You know. Yeah. So you smoked I for about sixteen right. years, you said, right? Yep. What was the first time, or when were the first memories you had that you wanted to quit? Well, I wanted to quit when I was pregnant. I just um. I could give a list of excuses why I didn't, but I didn't. <laughs> okay. It just didn't quit. I, well, I mean, I don't. spoke see... with last week. You know, she was the same way. You know, you know, back then, when how, how old your daughter? You said she was twelve. When I when I was pregnant, I was sixteen. For sixteen. When I got pregnant. So, I mean, think about Almost that. 17. Sixteen. Sixteen years ago, you were still able to smoke in the hospital. Right? Yeah. You know, you're still able yeah. to smoke in the room with your kid. No. Not that? Actually, no, I had to, I, not, I, they had, um, not in the room, no. They had, I had to go down to a particular floor, which had a smoking room, which isn't there anymore, of course, but. Well, I was talking with April last week, and, you know, we were discussing that. I mean, she was able to smoke with her daughter right there in the room with her. You know, that's how it was back then. I don't remember how old her daughter is, but, you know, either it's near here or there. The bottom line is, you know, you could smoke anywhere. You know, back just about, years yeah. ago, you could smoke anywhere you wanted. And, I was uh, smoking, I remember smoking on the bus. Going to school. <laughs> if I went to school that day, yeah. Okay, we had a smoking section at school. We have the hill. 
at Franklin, and I, the high school, and I, um, when my daughter was going there, I told her if I ever saw her on that hill, um, that I'd beat her. Um, that's where all the, um, I couldn't say the popular kids, but it was all the ones with the drug issues or the um, ones that were doing drugs or drinking or, I yeah, mean, hung out exactly. in the same place. Yep. You know, we, had our, and own, we had our own little, uh, like, alcove outside of, uh, you know, there was, a, like, an actually, there was an exit door you go out, and there was a standing place where everybody used to stand around and smoke. Teachers would stand out there with the kids. You know, everybody had their cigarette before class, you know. You know, we used to smoke. You know, I, don't, I don't remember times when we didn't smoke. On the way to school, lunch, you know, breaks, skipping class, after school. You know, so it was just something that we always did, and I'm sure you know. Sound, you know, listening to you, it's the same way. You know, I think all addicts, you know, we all have the same story, pretty much. People's houses. It's it's nice to hear when their parents were home. Excuse me. Actually, (laughs) the people's houses when their parents were home, but actually, I was hooked up hanging with twenty-year-olds, twenty-one-year-olds, so they didn't really have rules. It's great, kind of. let me ask you this. Your first really. memories of quitting, when was the first time you actually did quit? Right after my oldest was born. When was that? I went three weeks. Okay. Back in 1993 for three 1993, weeks. 1993, you quit for three weeks. 1993, yep. Um, young and stupid, and I felt actually the reason, I, I felt like I was missing something. By quitting? I don't know. By quitting, I I did. I I was stupid, I guess. But I mean, I consider myself um, kind of a naive type person. Not so much now, because I've been, you know, burned so many times. But yeah, I thought I, you know, see my dad and my daughter's father um, go out smoke, and I just felt like. I was missing something. So what drove you back? Just wanting to be, you know, part of the family again? Yeah. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to, you know, feel. So everybody in your family smokes? No, my my mom doesn't. Besides your mom? Besides my mom, everybody does. Okay, so you felt left out pretty much. Yep. And, of course, I was anti-anything my mom said anyway. So, I mean, if she said, good job quitting, I would be like, um, okay, it's time to go light up. And I did pretty much everything she told me not to do. I, you know, she tried to control me for, I wasn't allowed to do anything. I cooked and cleaned for um, nine people at nine years old. Um, She was always afraid with her disability that something would happen and she couldn't get to me. So she really kept me on a tight leash. And I um, finally just had enough. I was going to do what I wanted. Um, pretty much I did it behind their back, you know. Of course, when you come home pregnant, it's kind of noticeable. But um, 
like I'd skip school and I knew what time the school called and I could sound like my mom. I can also forge my mom's signature to this day and write like her. So I was never worried um, if the school called or, you know, I had it covered. Basically, you know, you were, you were your mom at that point. Yeah. Well, listen, we all had our ways out of school. You know, I had a friend who basically his cousin was 26, 27 at the time. She used to call all three of us out. You know, I didn't go to school for days. You know, sit around drinking blackberry brandy. You know, in the winter and just kind of hanging out and doing a lot of other things as well. You know, um, but as far as your, I mean. I was going to ask you what your friends and family and, you know, everybody thought when you went back to smoking after those three weeks, but, you know, it's pretty much obvious that, you know, they were probably happy to have you. Right? Well, my dad, my dad to this day, says, you know, it's a decision I have to make for myself and live with the consequences. And it's just about anything, getting pregnant, all of it. So he was pretty much indifferent. But you are, you know, to be honest with you, you know, if everybody in your family smokes, and you're going to be the first one to successfully quit, you're a threat to them. Realize that, don't you? Because that basically, um, you're basically showing them that it can be done and you're stronger than they are. Because, every, uh, let's face it, everybody knows that if you smoke, you're going to die. Okay? Sooner right. or later, it's going to catch up with you. 440,000 people die every year in this country from smoking or smoking-related illnesses. Okay, it's not a pretty way to go. No, no. No, um, I've watched three people in my immediate family die from lung cancer and brain cancer. And not something I want to go through, you know? And The last memory of my grandmother is on tanks. Yeah, but the bottom line is people don't want to die. You know, I, I no. love when people say, oh, I don't, I don't care. It's gonna, You know, you got to die sometime. I was one of those people that used to say that all the time. Okay. Yes, you do have to die sometime, but you don't have to die, like, a nasty death by killing yourself. And I really feel that people who live in or people who have families that smoke and they're involved with them, um, they're a threat if they quit because other people are going to look at them and, you know, they're going to say, oh, you know, they can do it, and I can't. That's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've got two sisters who, you know, they quit for years, and my mom got cancer and was going through chemo and everything, you know, last year, and they both took up smoking again. Is that, like, weird? <laughs> you know, you're watching somebody die of cancer, but yet you're taking up the very thing that you gave up because you know that's what's going to happen to you. So, you know, and just it's crazy. So, you know, let me ask you this. Kids, if they, how would you feel if they smoked? I'd kill my kids. I've killed them. Well, we know that you're <laughs> not going to kill them, okay? Well, no, but I've, I've um, actually told them I'd kick their butt. Okay, but because they're always, they're always on my case about, they were on my case for the last Oh, three, four years. I mean, all of them. Even my seven-year-old, who was like four or five at the time, they, it's like they promote this in school. So they get the kids to come home and say, you know, Mom, God, if you love us, you'll quit smoking. It's going to kill you. We don't want you to die. Well, 
And, you know, I really hate guilt trips. <laughs> you what? I think that's, I said I hate guilt trips. Well, there's no so, reason. I used to, you know, when somebody used to put me on a guilt trip, I would just work that much harder at doing what they were trying to make me feel guilty about. You know, I would say, well, well I'm going to show you. Kids. I know they're just kids, but the bottom line is, you know, that's not what they should be doing. And, yeah, they should say, you know, they should be telling you, you know, please, you know, quit and, you know, that. But the school shouldn't be telling them to put you on a guilt trip. No? That's true. So, you know. And I think that, um, I think that at that, um, before I actually came to the net, um, I was looking more like I would tell my kids it's a bad habit. I have this bad habit that I can't seem to break. Or, you know, I tell them that I just, that there's just so much stress that I just can't, you know, do this or that or whatever without smoking. And they'd be like, but oh, okay, well, you know you're going to die. You're giving them a coping <laughs> mechanism to deal with stress later on in life. And I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but you're telling them it's okay to smoke if you're stressed out. You see what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, I'm sure that they've heard enough and seen enough that more than likely they won't, but they have people all around them that basically are. You know what I mean? And that's what a lot of us went through as, as kids. You know, hey, we all saw our family smoking, and we picked it up because that's what they did, and that's just basically how we got started. You know? And for you to be the first one to say, hey, I'm you know, I'm gonna go ahead and be successful at this, you know, that would go a long way to showing them that, you know, you can do this. Because you know? I noticed, you know, in the past few months you've been having a hard time. Right? Yep. <laughs> I I don't need enemies. Right, but um, what I'm saying is, why is that? What, what are you finding so hard about, you know, saying, hey, listen, you know, I want to quit, I'm going to quit, and it's that's what I'm going to do. Um, I think the biggest thing, and, and I've got to remind myself, is the justification of just one. I'm in a really stressful situation. I'll just have this one, and um, and I could totally rationalize it in my mind. No, we all could. The problem, <laughs> the problem comes is all the ones after it. No, and the so, problem comes when you smoke just one. Okay, because right, that well, allows you to smoke the next one. Right. Oh, and so me, but do you mind if I ask why you want to quit? Why I want to quit? Well, mm-hmm. one, I don't want to die. <laughs> um, just painful death that you're telling, you know, that we're talking about. Well, not only that, but now I'm, I'm diabetic as well. So I've really got, um, I, well, I, I posted about my leg and how um, with the blood sugar and the smoking, it caused it to break open. Thankfully, it hasn't gotten infected to the point, like, that I have to have it cut off or anything. But it really is nasty, and every time I look at it, I just, I want to cry. 
And when I went to go have it looked at, I was basically reminded um, I wasn't allowed to give any excuses why I couldn't buy the stuff that I needed um, to take care of myself. Because if I was smoking, there was no reason why I couldn't take care of myself. And I just put books out, you know, not going to make it to 40 if you keep at this. I think, um, you know, I I don't want to get old, old, <laughs> but I do want to see my kids grow up. I mean, at the most, like, I could get rid of my spouse, but my kids are, like, the most important thing. And I've been spending so much um, time the last, like, four years to try to do, like, undo any damage um, that I, that's been caused to me, that I've caused to them. It's just total, whole different cycle. Like, I'm doing that cycle that's been passed down to me from my parents and their parents. And, and smoking is just, like, one of those things that needs to go as well if I, you know, kind of want to prove things. So. Does that make sense? That what? Did I lose? Okay, I thought I lost you for a minute. No, you didn't lose me. Well? I'm just listening. Oh, okay. What I'm trying to figure out is why you want to quit smoking. Okay, it's nice to say I don't want to die. Okay, I mean, listen, let's face it. We all can find thousands of reasons why we want to smoke. I only needed one why why I needed to quit. And that was because, again, I didn't want to suffer through everything that my parents did, my brother-in-law. And what I did was, you know, I, I'm a big person. I, I mean, I think about journaling all the time. I write down a lot of my thoughts. Did you ever journal? You ever write I have down one right to do now. Yeah. Write down your I'm thoughts doing that more day. now. I'm doing that more. Um, it may not be every day, but at least weekly. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for a while. I'm in all sorts of different kinds of therapy. Know exactly why you, you know it's like having you know you take a vacation you got to have a map to go get where you're going you know you need to have a map where you want to go with this you know and saying you just want to quit because you know you don't want to die is one thing but then if you kind of get graphic about it and start writing about all the things that you've experienced with you know like for me for instance you know watching my mom and or my dad for instance you know, sitting on the porch and then all of a sudden fall over because he had a, you know, a brain aneurysm from the cancer that spread to his brain and basically, you know, having, um, you know, a, what do you call it, a seizure on the on the porch, you know, remembering that, um, you know, having to watch him, you know, not have any, uh, you know, not being able to control his bodily functions, you know, the same thing with my brother-in-law, same thing with my mother. I mean, they all went through the identical things that they went through, you know, and it was sad. So, you know, I wrote all this stuff down, and I, I really got graphic with it. And I ingrained that pretty much in my in my memory. And every time I thought about smoking, once I did that, I mean, those those thoughts came up rather than, you know, just one. And that's what I did with me. Now, as far as anybody else, I mean, you know, that's can't make anybody else do it. I mean, that's pretty much what worked for me. You know. Oh, I have a picture of my legs. Um, actually, saved on my computer. 
I was actually, I, I do only because I sent it to my sister. Because you can't even describe what it looks like, but, I mean, unless you actually see it, you know, you can only, and I'm serious, anytime I think about wanting to smoke, I look at that, at my leg. Right. And How does that just, help you with your desire to have just one? Um, Actually, I, I don't want to. It makes me want to cry. Because, well, I mean, I, I have a problem with guilt. I mean, I, I, I know, I know that I'm responsible for why my leg looks the way it is. And if I don't want it, if I want it to heal and not, you know, I have to stop doing, you know, what it's causing. I can't sabotage, I can't harm myself anymore. Right. Do you drink? Um, no. I, I do have one shot, like, I don't know, a month ago or a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, maybe because I'm diabetic, so I don't. Well, that's why. That I part of my life's over. Okay. <laughs> Any other drugs? Nope. Just prescription. That's okay. I mean, I'm not trying to pry, but, you know, if people have addictions, they've got more than one. You know, you like to eat? No, if I was if I wasn't diabetic, I truthfully be be an alcoholic now. You like? To eat? <laughs> huh? You like to eat? Do I like to eat? Not really. No? <laughs> I'm okay. scared to eat now. <laughs> I'm scared to eat well, now. But you probably have to watch everything you eat now. Oh yeah, I mean I'm literally um I'm pretty freaked out. <laughs> It's back where it would, I was, like... You know, it would freak me out. You know, you got a big hole in your leg, and you don't know, you know what you're going to do about clearing that up. Well, and the thing that really, really is hard is because four years ago, I was going through the same thing. That's just when I was diagnosed. My sugar's right then. Um, the only difference is I didn't know. I was just finding out I was diabetic almost four years ago, um, they had done the biopsy on my leg and it wasn't healing and hadn't healed and they ignored that I had high sugar. But they were kind of warning me that I was going to become diabetic. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, okay, 10 years from now, cool, whatever. Right. I'm 26. You know, and that's kind of like how I looked about smoking too is that I had time, um, you know, it, even though um, I've only, I've been sick a lot since I was a kid, missing weeks at a time because of bronchitis or um, whatever. So my lungs haven't always been good. Uh, I was just like, you know, none, none of this is going to affect me now. This is going to affect me like 30 years from now, 40 years from now, and it's just not going to matter. But everything we do today affects what happens to us tomorrow. Right. So, you can't look at it like that, and I'm hopefully hopeful that you're not going to continue to look at it like that. No. No. I really want to do whatever I can to help you get over this. You know, you got six days in. What are we going to do to make sure that you have 600? I don't know, I can't can't cut open my leg every day just to make sure I don't do it. You know, I'm good for three weeks. You've got to want this, Sarah. I know. 
you know, I've watched you, like I said, you know, you called me an asshole quite, you know, was it a couple of months ago? Because of something I wrote I to you. Yes, I probably did. Well, no, you did. Because I save all my email. Okay? <laughs> And That's why one reason I was truthfully surprised you actually emailed me. <laughs> you know, you emailed me about I do care about people, but I don't put up with bullshit. And the bottom line is, if if somebody wants to quit, I'm more than happy to help them. But if if you're just looking to, you know, go through the motions and hope that it happens, you know, then you're on your own. You know, because it's not going to work. You know. And like I tell people all the time, quitting smoking is not hard. Deciding to is. If you decide that you want to quit, you will find a way. Okay, no matter what. You have a big hole in your leg. Okay, because smoking... Two of them, actually. Okay, well, you got two <laughs> holes in your leg. You know, and that's from smoking. You know, if you want to be able to use those legs, you got to quit. You got six days in now. You know, you had, back a few months ago, you had, how many, what was the most you had? Was it 18? Three weeks. Three weeks. I right? got three weeks. Okay, so three weeks. And what changed after three weeks? After three weeks, it's 72 hours. The nicotine's out of your system. There's no reason for you to go back. You know, the only thing it is is basically your mental state. And it's a mind. I, I, I isolated myself. I you know. just. You've got all the tools figured. you need to win this battle. You've got all the forums on the Internet. You've got phone support, I'm sure, by quite a few people. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just because you have people in your house that smoke don't mean you need to smoke. Okay? Is it your house? Well, certainly my house, yeah. Okay, do you own it? <laughs> Is it yours? No, I don't. Actually, okay. it's not ours. No, we rent our house. Okay, so you rent it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Do you have a part of the house that's yours? Like your room? Uh, my husband and I don't have a room, actually. Okay, do you have access to some place, or can you tell people if they're smoking, go outside? Uh, yeah, they're going, they're going to, yes. Okay, um, I'm having no problem with my dad at the moment. He, he just doesn't see why he needs to go out there when I'm not going to make it more than a month. This, that Who was his exact word. Who said that? <laughs> I did. You did? My dad said that. Oh, your dad said that? Well, tell your dad he's wrong, okay? And then after a month, if you still, if you go back after a month, he can come inside. But for now, he needs to go outside. If you I want, agree. Put him on, if you want, put him on the phone. I'll tell him. I don't care. But you <laughs> I might have to go upstairs. You know, you need to do this for you. It's not for anybody else. You know, you need to get your head straight and basically quit. Because if you don't, you're going to end up dead. You know that, and I know that. There's a lot of people out there that I'm sure care about you. And you've made a lot of friends on these online forums, and I'd be more Mm -hmm. than happy to help you. You know, but you got to want to do it. Instead of, you know, you reaching for a cigarette, you got to reach, you know, go online. Or you got to call somebody. You got my number, use it. You know, and I—I'll yeah. be honest with you. I haven't given my number to anybody. Okay, you have my number, and I said I will talk to you. But, you know, you gotta want this. Okay. No, I'm not. You know, I never consider myself a babysitter. 
I'm no, trying, I don't. I tried to tell my sponsor. I mean, my sponsor in AA told me the same thing a long time ago. If you want it, you go out and get it. I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to hold your hand. And, you know, it took me a while to finally understand what he meant by that. But you got to do the work. You know, you got to do the road work in order for you to get to where you want to go. And um, I really true. believe you can. Got to, you know, got to put one foot in front of the other and, you know, ignore all the naysayers that are out there. Ignore your dad who's telling you you're not going to make it a month. And, you know, when you make it 31 days, you know, show them. Say, hey, I made it 31 days. You know, thanks for the support. You know, now I'm going to make it another 31. I mean, even my husband, who I'm sure is thinking, oh, my God, we're going through this again. He actually, I didn't even have to ask him to go outside. I mean, he does smoke in his car, which irritates me. But, I mean, at least he's not saying anything negative. He's not, he goes outside. So, I mean, I didn't even have to say anything. Um, because, I mean, I did ask him, I, I'm like, I need you to help me. I mean, this is just, you know, it's a big deal now. It's not something I can put off anymore. Show him your legs. I'm, huh? I mean, show him your legs. Say, hey, this is from smoking. I can't do this anymore. You can do this. I really believe you can, but you got to want to go out and do it. I want to see you a year from now saying, hey, you know what? That conversation we had made a difference. You know, here I am a, a year, you know, clean and sober. You know, you're smoke-free. You know, there's nothing better than that feeling, I'm telling you. You know, it's like I told you before. You know, April and I, you know, we're going to do something tomorrow, you know, as far as the conversation goes. And hopefully tomorrow. i got to see. I didn't call her today. I was supposed to. But, you know. There's so much more to life out there than just quitting. I mean, when you quit, yes, you're quitting smoking, but there's so much more that you get out of this that you, I mean, you've accomplished something that a lot of people, they can't. And it just, it gives you a power inside of you that, you you know, you'll, you'll be very surprised. But you got to make it one day at a time, like you said, you know. Very true. You can do it. That's a big issue for me. <laughs> I've never accomplished anything except giving birth three times. So that you accomplished. I'm a little bit down. Huh? That you accomplished. That I accomplished. <laughs> well, accomplish this. That should be the driving force behind it. When next time you pick up a cigarette and you look at it, you know, say to yourself, you know, I've never accomplished anything. I want to accomplish quitting smoking. I want my life back. And look at the cigarette and then look at your life and say, which do you want more? You know, and that's what you, you know, if you can, if you honestly answer that question and the cigarette wins, then you don't want to quit right now. You know, and you have to want to quit. You know, and when I say you have to want to, you've got to really deep down inside you want to quit. You know? Sometimes it takes more, you know, more than once. You know, I was sitting in my office one day on, on January 13, 2003, okay, 10 o'clock in the morning. The thought of quitting smoking was the furthest thing from my mind, you know. Had a cigarette. I went back in, sat down, and I said, you know what? I looked at myself. I said, where do I want to be a year from now? 
and I said one of the first things that came to my mind was I want to be a non-smoker. Took my cigarettes, put them in the garbage bin behind my office, and normally I wouldn't do that. I would have just thrown them in my garbage and made sure I had one or two left in there that I was able to pull out as my little stash. Yeah. I threw them out in the back, and I said, I quit. I found a few online forums that I belong to. I announced my intentions to the world. I got cocky with it. I was not going to let myself fail. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I went through with, you know, quitting. I mean, not, I'm not saying it was easy, okay, but I did say, and like I always will, quitting smoking is not hard. Deciding to is. That was the hardest part was deciding. Everything that I went through in the first month was nothing compared to the decision. So, I mean, I really believe that you can do this, and I want you to really, really take what I said to heart. You know, you can do it. Just got to believe in yourself. Yes, I will do it. Not that I can. I will do this. Okay, so think about what we said. All right, I've got some other stuff I have to talk about right now. Okay. And I'm going to let you go. Okay. okay. If you want to listen more, hopefully this came out good. Okay. Okay. You can download it. You can tell people to listen. You can send people over. You know, if anybody's got any questions for me, you know, email me. You know, all my information's on there. You know, I want you to stay in touch with me. If there's any questions you have, email me. Okay. Right? I'm more than happy to help you. Okay. Okay. But you got to go go out and get it. Okay? Okay. Right, so it was a pleasure talking to you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. And we'll talk again. And I'm sure we'll see you online somewhere. Okay? I'm on there now more. Yep. All righty. I'll All talk right. to you again. You. All right. Nice. All right. Thank you.